Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello, everyone, and happy Sunday. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, founder of singleinthecity.ca. And today, I'm joined by my beautiful friend, philanthropist and media personality, the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. She's been hey. missing for a few weeks. Where you been, girl? Missed I've you. Been, I've been summering at the lake. It's been wonderful, but I've missed you. I've missed you, too. And, uh, yeah, I've, my, my, I've had my, well, my girlfriend has a cottage, and uh, I've been there quite a bit this summer. I'm able to bring my dog, and we chill out and stuff. So I love it. And I always think of you when I'm up north. I'm like, I wonder what Joan's doing up here. Yeah. All right. So how can we get back in touch with our sexuality and how does consent play into this? Tonight's guest, his name is Steve Oscar, uh, is hoping or he is going to shed some light on this for our listeners. Steve is a somatic sex educator. He's a sex and relationship coach and counselor who works with individuals and couples to help them build the kind of intimate and erotic connections that they desire. And another one of my favorite people on Clubhouse, for real, he is. Uh, tonight, we'll be introducing you to the idea of somatic sex, discussing how consent plays a role in relationships, and how you can learn to find your own comfort level and boundaries along the way. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Steve. Hi there. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Here we go. Um, so let's jump right into the conversation. And I'm sure a lot of people are, are curious about, uh, you know, somatic intimacy. What is it exactly? Uh, what's it all about? Explain it to us. Yeah, well, somatics is a word that is being thrown around a lot. Uh, so I'll define it in the way that I use it. Uh, somatics is really the language our body speaks. So the connection between our verbal language and our embodied experience, our sense of ourselves, the language of sensation, like what we feel in our bodies, not just the emotions connected to them, but what we feel as sensations, and then how we connect to them. So somatics is really a language in and of itself and and, and the language of, of touch and connection and being connected to our own body. Um, and when I talk about somatic, being a somatic sex educator, it's really teaching people how to feel from the ground up. Like if we've never, if we've never felt before, where would we begin? How would I start learning how to feel when it comes to touch, when it c- comes to connecting with my own body, when it comes to connecting with a partner? Um, and really what you, what you introduced as our topic, that starts with consent. Can you give us an example of something that you would teach um, based around somatic intimacy? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get in there and get visual because one of the things that I think that we are curious about is uh, how do I touch someone and, and when is it right to touch someone? And, you know, especially early on and connecting with someone and, and even with the couples that I work with, who have been together for a very long time, there's so many assumptions that we have around how we touch each other that one of the things we really rarely ask is, how do you like to be touched? And that might be different right now than it was yesterday. 
or the last time we touched or the last time we held hands or the last time, you know, and it might be different tomorrow or the next day. And it might be different from moment to moment. So one of the things that I, that I talk about is embodied consideration where you actually connect with your own body and ask yourself, what, what does my body feel like it wants right now? The same way we might with, with a great meal, we might think, Hmm, what do I feel like tonight? And we kind of investigate, what are my taste buds thinking about? You know, what, what is, what do I want to eat? Well, what about touch? What about connecting with a partner? Because sometimes, you know, you might say, hey, may I kiss you? And the person who you're asking is really, hmm, I'm, I'm not a yes to that, but I'd like to hold hands. So they can actually inquire, what am I feeling right now? What am I a yes to? And what am I a no to? So one of the things that I work with with couples, as well as with individuals, is actually starting to be sensitive to what the other person or people are interested in or desiring. I wrote down this this thing the other day that I thought was kind of poetic. Uh, we need to learn to speak the nuanced language of each other's pleasure. Like so much of our so much of our focus is on what I want, what I like. Well, what what does my partner want? And then how can we negotiate from a place of what we both want that feels good to both of us? Rather than how can I get something from you and see if you want to give it to me or, you know, how can I, um, you know, convince you to want to do something that I want to do? You know, how can I actually be curious about my pleasure and your pleasure? Hmm. So it seems like you have to be sensitive towards the other person, but you also have to be uh mindful and sensitive towards yourself like sometimes you're like oh I don't really feel like doing that but I guess maybe I'll do it because it'll make them happy like that that kind of a thing you have to you have to like play not play both sides of it but you have to really be honest with yourself on on how you're working with your partner and how you're being true to yourself is that right absolutely Absolutely. yeah I mean a lot of people will put their attention on what their partner wants because they learn that's a way to validate themselves. So they become pleasers and they leave themselves and their own desire and interests out of the equation. And then a lot of people are the other way around where they're only interested and focused on their own pleasure or their own, their own curiosity. Well, what if you could be simultaneously curious about what you want and what you're interested in as well as what your partner wants. So what you said is is spot on. Hmm. Are there people that actually don't know what they want? Yes. Lots and lots and lots of people. And I think, you know, I think it's actually really normal. I think it's actually very much more common. It's not just what do I want, but what do I want right now? Like if I checked in with my body right now, I think we've all found ourselves agreeing to do something and then regretting it later on. It's like, gosh, I, I wasn't really a yes to that. You know, whether it's going to a particular movie or a particular restaurant or engaging in some kind of touch with our partner, what do you want? Right now in this moment is what I call being embodied, being connected to yourself. Right. So is this, is this how we can start to understand what our body needs in terms of sexual fulfillment? Because like as you're saying, you know, some people uh, don't really know, you know, what they want or need. Or maybe it's something that they've let slip away. So, so how can or maybe they're shy to ask. Yeah, too darn shy. I think to to I say think this is the what I really want right now. Mm-hmm. All of the above, yeah, for sure. I think afraid to ask, shy to ask, uh, and maybe not even know how to put into words what I want. Like, okay, I know what I want, but 
I've never asked for that before. How, how do you know? And I know the words. I know the words. I could write them down or I could say them in my own thoughts. But I've never actually asked another person to touch me this way. I've never said to a partner, hey, I really want to slow down or I want to speed up. You know, I've never actually said that. So that could be really scary. So, Steve, so how can we start to understand what our body needs in terms of sexual fulfillment? I think a great way, uh, first of all, if you have someone to that, that's a partner, is to begin talking about it. We were speaking about this before. Like, when do you actually start talking about sex? And when do we start talking about connection and touch? Not and on the first date, please. Yeah. <laughs> not on the first date. Why not? Day. Come on, Steve. Why not? And it doesn't. Well, it depends. Mean- if that's what the two of you are looking for, if you're just looking for a sexual connection or relationship, then I think it's okay. But I don't think it's absolutely. Really. I don't. And I don't not. think so. Because especially if you're not on the same, if you're not on the same page, and then you start bringing up sex, like I, for me, if I'm ta- if I'm on a date or in the first couple of like meets or virtually phone whatever it is or in person, they start talking to me about sex. I'm out. Like, wouldn't you, you rather about? know, like, sooner than later if you're not oh, on the soon. same page? Right. So I think, what? and, you know, just a few radio shows ago, we had uh, someone about money. And I was like, what? You talk about money right out of the gates, your first date? And she said, yes, you can't talk about it sooner because you have to find out if you're compatible in those areas. So mm-hmm. I agree with you, Steve. I think sooner than later makes okay, sense. Okay, so, Joan, I'm, I, Joan, hold on. Hypothetically, we're sitting down. We're, you know, we're, we're on a date. It's our first date. And I'm a dude, let's say. And I say, hey, um, just want to ask you, like, are you into anal sex? Oh, okay. That's a bit, ag- <laughs> that's a bit aggressive. Okay. <laughs> well, that's You're... what I'm talking but about. Also, that's <laughs> the type of guy that you should be dating, Laura. <laughs> well, that's like going skiing. But that's no, why you guys know on the same page before you start having those conversations or at least know that you're on the same page because that can be a real turnoff to someone. Okay, go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Well, I'd say he blew it right there. <laughs> He's out the door. Laura, Laura, that's like going skiing and, and starting with the black diamonds <laughs> when you don't even know how to ski the bunny slopes. I mean, you, okay, you want to so kind of... Okay, all right, Steve, then you meet someone on uh, first date, then what kind of conversations can you have then? What if someone well, wants, what if, what, if, what if anal is important to someone? Well, if it is a deal breaker uh, and you want to make sure that you include the conversation, I still wouldn't start with that. But you can certainly say, well, what are some of the things that you, that you like? You know, and that could be a very general statement. And, and I also love that you, you mentioned money because money and sex are the two most highly charged topics that people have to deal with in their lives. And, you know, if we can't talk about them, and it's usually what's in the way is our own shame around them. I think both conversations about money and sex can be really playful. Okay. Well, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I feel like you have to be on the same page. Otherwise that can just blow up in your face because I know as a female and this is something that drives us absolutely crazy is when, you know, guys come on too strong. They start talking about sex right away. It's like, or why why are you asking me that? I I don't even know you. Like, do you like my personality? I'm kind of nice, aren't I? (laughs) Start with that. But Hey, different strokes for different folks. And of course, if you guys are both into that and that's what you're looking for, then sure, of course, have a sex talk. Talk about it all you want. 
just before we go to break, did you want to give us a few tips? So another way that you can actually begin to discover what your body wants and needs is self-pleasure. I think so many people uh, are shy about that or ashamed of that and or, or uh, avoid it. Um, that they don't really learn to discover their own bodies. And I think that's something that's very important before you can actually communicate with a partner what you like. You have to know what you like yourself. I totally agree, and I love that. And pick up your sex toys. People, (laughs) when we come back, we'll be chatting about sex positivity and bringing consent into your relationships. Don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca. On Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with the lovely Joan Kelly Walker and our special guest tonight, Steve Oscard. We're getting back to our chat on sex positivity and we're going to be talking about consent as well in this segment. So I have a question, uh, Steve. So how do you, we've been talking about uh, somatic awareness and somatic relationships. How do you start to use those to strengthen the relationship that you're in or your sex life? How do you, how do you even start with that? I think the first place that I encourage people to start connecting with their own body is noticing what they aren't noticing. I know that sounds silly, but bringing awareness to all those things that we take for granted and overlook, like, you know, just simply noticing your feet right now. Oh, my feet are touching the floor. Like until I mentioned my feet, I wasn't even aware of my feet. I wasn't even focused on my feet. But noticing and being able to focus my awareness somewhere is one of the tools of somatic learning and somatic sexual education. So placement of awareness. We actually have what what I call the five pillars of embodiment. Uh, placement of awareness, breath, movement, sound, and touch. And these are all tools to begin engaging with to discover one's own body. And starting with your own body, once you know what you like, what feels good to you, what doesn't feel good to you, then you can start to actually share that with a partner, whether you're sharing it with them verbally or you're actually touching or engaging with them physically. Let's talk about sex positivity, something that's become a real hot topic that a lot of people are embracing right now. You are very yeah. sex positive, like I must say, especially on our clubhouse stages. Like you, are, I love the way you handle and deal with people, and um, you're so inclusive too. So you're so amazing. Mm. So how would you describe sex positivity? And do you think it's important to be sex positive as you explore relationships? I am a huge advocate for what's called sex positivity, and to me, what that means is that you honor, you honor people's exploration, you honor people's learning and growth and curiosity uh, in the realm of sexuality, even if it's not your cup of tea. So you might not be interested in something that somebody else is interested in, but you could celebrate their curiosity, their growth. Um, and I think that we are definitely moving culturally into a more sex-positive way of supporting people, really honoring people's choices, honoring people's expressions. We're finding people are being much more public about their expression of um, their sexual orientation and their gender choices and their gender explorations. So I think finding language about it. So so probably what people have most noticed is how people are 
asking others to um, use a particular pronoun when referring to them. And that's um, a learning curve for all of us. Like, oh, someone would prefer they, them instead of uh, she or he. And that's uh, requiring us to kind of think in a new way of how we relate to gender. Uh, so the same is true for sexual orientation as people are expressing and exploring different ways. I think sex positive really means honoring people's choices, honoring people's exploration, even if it changes. Like there are people who consider themselves non-binary and they may want to be referred to as he or, or him one day and the next day she or, or or they or they may choose different things and make be making requests of, of others around them and how they speak with them that really is uh, setting the tone for a new wave of sex positivity and really honoring people's curiosity and growth. So, Steve, what if you're with a partner and, you know, you're honoring their choices, but you're finding you're just not compatible? Like, you, you have completely different choices in... Yes, I was just about to ask that. You took it out of my mouth. There. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's because I think this happens. Like, you're thinking, sure, that's great for you, but I'm just not into it. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. how do you bridge that gap? You like something or you your partner is not on the same page as you at all. Like, or, mm-hmm. um, like, how do you have, start to have those conversations? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think it might change whether this is a couple that's been together um, and they, they intend to stay together and they're, they're in a relationship um, and one partner wants to explore something and the other partner, like you said, is like, wow, that's, that's not me. Um, that is a really challenging place to be because this is your partner. This is someone you've chosen to be with. And in that circumstance, um, that's the time for some real serious conversations, uh, especially locating or being clear about how important it is that the one partner really explore that. Um, and I think we're also finding that the whole landscape of relationships is changing where partners are supporting their partner and going to have some experience that they really want to have when it's definitely not their cup of tea. So that's one scenario where this couple is committed to staying together. Um, But are you also referring to a new relationship where you're kind of finding some incompatibilities or something's incongruent in in their desire? Absolutely. I can see, you know, I can see if a couple's been together for a long time and maybe somebody wants to explore things. But if you are in a new relationship and you find that there's like a big divide, like that would be like a big thing to have to overcome. How do you help people then? I think uh, one of the first things is if it's so new and you're actually discovering that you don't... Get out. Yeah, I'm trying. To, you, you remember you said I'm nice. I'm trying to find a polite way to say that. Yeah, get out if it's not if it's not pleasurable and you have different ideas of what that is. Like, like let's take it out of the realm of sex. And if you're a vegan and you're committed to that and I'm a steak eater and that's a deal breaker for you, then we know that our relationship doesn't have a future. Exactly. And if you want to have sex, you know, every day, let's say three times a day and you communicate that, and you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, that's not going to be, like, I'm not going to enjoy that. Like, I don't want to have sex three times a day. I don't have time to have sex three times a day. Then guess what? Like, then get out of that relationship. Don't expect to change that person because they're going to be riding you and hounding you and, like, literally following you around the house going, okay, I'm horny, let's have sex. (laughs) Right? So just like what Steve said, just, you know, 
yeah. if it happens early on, like leave. That's where that's where consent conversations really become mm-hmm. more about that's about manipulation. So if someone's clear they're a no and you're trying to change them to a yes, that's not a, that's not a consensual conversation. That's a conversation about you know trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do. Um, yeah. So how important that. is consent? How important is consent in a relationship? And and how can you start the conversation around it in a healthy way? Yeah. Well, especially around touch and and connection. Uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, knowing what you want and what you're a yes to. So one of the things we've talked about before in our, in our rooms is is the experience of agency, and I think that's foundational for having consent conversations with someone else is knowing that I have a voice and my voice matters. And some people don't know that. Some people have been conditioned that they please others. And they just overlook that. I actually can have my own choices and I can actually uh, explore my own pleasure and my connection with with a partner. Wow, that's, that's a surprise for some people. So once you know that, that you have a voice and your voice matters, then it really comes to what is my no? What am I a no to? And once you are clear about what your no's are, then you can start to explore what your yeses are. And I referenced this before, but, you know, if your partner wants to kiss and you're like, yeah, I really am not a yes to that, but I'd love to cuddle, you know, or I'd love to hold hands. Then you can, so you can actually see I'm a no to this and yet I'm a yes to this. So, so when I distinguish the two, my, my no's are my boundaries and my yeses are, is what I'm consenting to. And when you can begin to dialogue about that, then it actually opens the door to how we can be connected. And it may change from night to night or day to day or moment to moment that, um, yeah, you know, I I didn't want to, uh, all I wanted to do was hold hands, but gosh, now I think I might want to kiss or cuddle or do other things. So so once people are appreciated and acknowledged for what their choices are, there's a lot of freedom to to continue the dialogue and have it not be a black and white experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're really seeking that freedom. And, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, the the concept of consent versus manipulation, because, you know, like my voice does matter. And these things would tend to get messy sometimes if someone was using alcohol or drugs, it creates blurred lines. So what do you do if someone comes to you and says, you know, I regret my decision. I feel like I didn't have my freedom in a situation. Like, what do you do then? I mean, is that just a bigger problem with alcohol and drugs? For sure it is when someone's using a substance because then your biochemistry is changing your, your experience. And and not to mention just alcohol or drugs, but, but arousal changes things too. You know, when I work with clients and some, some of the work that I do includes touch, we will talk about everything we're going to do before we do any of the touch-based work. And then I always say, listen, we can always do less, but we'll never do more. So once someone is actually experiencing touch, they could actually say, oh, I'd like to have some more touch. Then I say, I'll say, great, let's save that for the next session. Because I want their choices to be conscious and created by uh, their thinking rather than their arousal state. Yeah, arousal is very powerful. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that in that way. So thank you. Yeah. So, and, and it can be very problematic and something for sure to be discussed after the fact 
if you're with a partner and you actually do something that uh, after the fact, you're like, wow, that that was not okay with me. That didn't feel good. That you actually talk about it and have have an adult conversation about it so that the next time you can look and see, oh, we really stepped over talking it through before we did it. I didn't realize you were going to pull my hair or whatever it was. I'm I'm joking. (laughs) 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 Or I love that you bring the spice. Oh, the choke? Well, they always harass me in the rooms about that. Um, Because I was like, choking? What is that? I didn't even... People get choked? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, All kinds of exciting fetishes. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that we're starting to see a shift from a point where everything is gratification-based to something that's more centered around consent? I, I do. In fact, that's really at the heart of my work, that people have... Um, the ability to choose for pleasure and fulfillment distinct from gratification. I think gratification is all about me and what I want. Fulfillment is about what we want, what we might share together, how we can explore together. And there are definitely some really exciting dynamics that people explore in the, in the realms of BDSM and, and sensation play um, that includes consensual non-consent. That's where you're actually being dominated by a partner, but you've agreed to it. You've discussed it. In fact, I think the, and I'm going to use the term that some people probably recognize, the of vanilla versus kinky. So the vanilla world has a lot to learn from the BDSM. Community. It really, really Sorry, is. The, a, who? the vanilla world? What is the vanilla world? You've never heard that term? Vanilla. I've never heard that term either. Sorry, Steve. Oh, my God. And then again, I never heard it. So, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Jones been married for how long? Twenty five years. Twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't been, and I'm not, but I still don't know what that term means. But please uh, explain it. We're learning something so new every day. Vanilla. Now I, I love vanilla ice cream, but vanilla would be is is a term that people call something that's plain, you know, or something that's quote unquote normal. Okay. Whereas kinky would be something that's edgy. And and for me, my definition of kink is something that you have to determine for yourself, that you actually say, say, this is edgy for me. So what might be kinky for one person, you know, for some couple, it might be just having sex with the lights on. For another, yeah. couple, <laughs> for another couple, it's break out the whips and chains, you know. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because when we were, I think that that came up in one of the clubhouse rooms. Um, the the question around kinks, like what what are your fetishes? What are your kinks? And some of the things that people were talking about, I found were just vanilla. <laughs> like it's like, oh, I thought yeah. that was something that we all did. I didn't know that that was <laughs> fetish. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be chatting about how consent can lead to healthier, stronger relationships. Don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night, and you're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, with myself, Laura Bilotta, and Joan Kelly Walker tonight. And our special guest is Steve Oscar, all the way from California, discussing how consent 
can be sexy. Let's get back into it, Steve. I wanted to ask, Steve, how do we use consent to build our relationships that are healthier and stronger? Like, I've been married for 21 years, but you're always, you always want your relationship to be as healthy and strong as possible. So how do we use that to develop and to support our relationships as much as we can? And do you think that leads to partnerships that are more equal and include more understanding, more listening from both sides? Oh, yes, yes, and yes, absolutely. I think it really builds. Um, I, I think, and I think sometimes people think consent is like this heavy conversation. I think consent can be incredibly playful. It could start with, you know, speaking with your partner and saying, hey, what's something that you've always wanted to try but we've never talked about? You know, you're having dinner, you're hanging out, you're cuddling on the couch, and one of you could ask that question, and then you start this dialogue back and forth uh, you know, oh, I've always wanted to try, you know, something. Gosh, I can't even think of I'm trying to be creative. Laura, you're the one that always brings the spice. <laughs> I've always wanted to try hair pulling or choking. Um, well, <laughs> banking. I've always wanted to be trying. Handcuffs. Blindfolded. Other you things remember, that we can't talk about on the radio. But there's all kinds of creative things that could be playful that just starting the conversation of, hey, what's something that you'd like to try that you've never tried? Or, or even what's something that you're curious about? Or you could even say, hey, what are some of your hell no's when it comes to sex and touch? You would ask them what, what their no's are. Like, what are your definite no's? I, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then, you know, what are some of those things that you would say you'd never do? And, and, and then you can might, might dialogue about that. And you might stumble across some things that, gosh, I've always been a no, but I'm actually a little bit curious about it. And, and curiosity is such a great entry point for connection and um, exploration. And then you can actually say, well, would you like to try that? Uh, and Really, consent is when both partners are a hell yes. Both people are at this place where they're willing to be curious. And I'll tell you, sometimes sex can be a lot of fun with a lot of laughter when you're experimenting with something unfamiliar. And you might even find that it's a total dud, but you end up laughing about it and having such a great time. I mean, when, when was the last time you had sex and it was just funny and laugh and filled with laughter? I think it kind of points uh, off. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can see how sex with the same person day in and day out and like for years and years and years can get kind of boring if you're not spicing things up and changing things around. And it's never too late to change things in the bedroom. Right, Steve? Yeah. And, and I would never surprise your partner with something that might feel like a violation. Like you mentioned anal sex earlier. That's not something to surprise your partner with. Mm -hmm. Something like, oh, just thought I'd try this. But you can definitely have a conversation about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, babe. What I I mean by surprise. What do you think about it? What if you, you maybe we can watch some videos on it or maybe we can, you know, read up on it or maybe it's something that, you know, we can take slow or I don't know. But I I think if one person really wants to try something, it's definitely worth exploring. 
So, Laura, you said that you had a first date with someone and they brought up anal sex and they were asking you and you thought that was like a hell no, that was like way too soon in the relationship and you were just getting to know that person. So, like, it's, yeah, I get irritated. Yeah, but that's so when would you say is the right time? Like, how far into the relationship would you say as a dating coach? When do you bring that up? Like maybe someone's just waiting, like, okay, is it time for me to ask my question? Or is it, is it has enough time passed? Have we had enough dates? Like when is the right time then? I think the right time to to uh, talk about those types of things is when, if, if for instance, like if you're looking for a serious relationship, I wouldn't have those conversations with someone until I knew that their intentions were in the right place. Like that they were also looking for a serious relationship and that they've shown up and they are showing up and we are seeing each other. They're being consistent, you know, um, they're calling when they say they're calling. They, 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 um, they plan date night. They want to see me. They make time for me. They may talk about the future somewhat, you know, make that not long term, but they may speak uh, about, you know, maybe a week from now or you know maybe in a month from now or something then maybe those conversations I mean for myself that's what I look for I want someone to like me for me I don't want someone to mm-hmm. like me for sex I mean those are conversations that you know um, once someone's shown up and I, I feel like their intentions are in the right place and I think that uh, it's safe to have those conversations mm-hmm. but Good hey, there's no right or wrong answer Joan Right. Yeah. People yeah. may be okay with it right away. I think there's also a way that we all need to learn to read social social cues, and that's one way to know if, if I introduce this topic in this conversation on a first date or a second date, how are they going to respond? And I think I think some people are really clear about that, and then that's when those conversations seem effortless. And I think some people don't have a clear idea of the social cues that and introduce a topic, you know, you know, they talk start talking about anal sex on the first date and it is incongruent with what, what their the other person is expressing. They're not available to have that conversation. I've always been right mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, distinguishing whether or not I'm gonna have good sex with someone. It's all about the energy for me. If you pay attention to it, you'll know. That's awesome. We're taking a break. We'll be discussing how to bring consent into your relationship and how to communicate with your partner about this when we come back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey everyone, it's Sunday night. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and every week for the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio. 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta. Tonight I'm here with Joan Kelly Walker and our guest is Steve Oscard. And we're going to get right back into our discussion on how consent can help build strong, healthy relationships. Let's jump right back in. So, Steve, we're talking about consent, and consent is very much about respect for the other person and respect for yourself. So, how can yeah. we ensure that we have the consent? of the other person and that the other person is actually comfortable with taking things further. Is it best to come right out and ask? And how can you do that in a way that makes them feel comfortable and makes them feel heard? Well, I definitely think it's got to be verbal to begin with. 
we we are verbal people. We communicate that way. And certainly there are nonverbal cues that we rely on. But I think when, when it comes to sex and when it comes to consensual sexual experiences, we have to have some agreements around it. Um, so, you know, how things commonly escalate is they it starts with touching somehow. So one partner will reach out and want to touch the other person's hand or hold their hand or put their arm around them uh, or touch them in some ha- some way. Um, I mean, I, I, I never forget this. I was taking this class on consent, and, and the very next time I had a first date, I wanted to touch this woman. We were sitting together on my couch and having a glass of wine and talking, and I really wanted to touch her. And I remembered back from this course I was taking, so I said, may I touch you? Where, where do you want to touch her, Steve? Well, I wanted to touch her shoulder and just touch her, and, and I gestured towards her shoulder, and it was rather innocent, but there was something like the, the, the conceptual learning of what we did in the course kind of caught up with me in that moment on the couch. And it was actually the, and we talked about somatics, it was a somatic and verbal expression of may I. The word, the two words, may I, and it kind of landed in my body of, oh, I know how to ask for what I want. You know, it, it seemed like this foreign experience, but then all of a sudden I was like, oh, kind of like, kind of like when you get, when you get balanced for the first time on a bicycle, you've watched all your friends ride the bike and you get on and you fall down several times, but then when you get it, you get it. This was like a moment like that for me. And here I was in my adult life saying two words. But how it felt in my body when I said those two words and I gestured to touching her shoulder, it was like, may I was getting balanced for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of simplistic, but it's really a way to, it was, it was different from just asking permission. It was expressing my desire at the same time. But I was, and, uh, I was so respectful. I bet she absolutely loved that because you're being respectful. And to me, it seems like the ultimate romance. Like you care about that person. You, you, you know, you want to be gentle with them and you respect them. How did she react? Oh, she was a yes, absolutely. In fact, I, I think she was saying yes non-verbally for minutes, maybe 30 minutes before I'm a little bit slow. Okay, I'm... I'm <laughs> We can all have a laugh at Steve right now. Now, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here, okay? Okay. That seems so unnatural to me, right? Now, what about just subtle touches when, and, uh, by reading somebody's body language? Like, I know when somebody wants to kiss me. I know when someone's into me. I know when someone's attracted to me. If they are leaning towards you, if they are getting closer to you, if they are looking into your eyes when they're speaking to you, if they are giggling, they're like, what's wrong with just you know, slightly just putting your hand on their leg or something. Well, nothing's wrong with that at all. I think there's a fine line in, in, in finding, you know, so many partners, they'll say, oh, I want to be taken. I want to have that experience of passion where my partner takes me and just grabs me and kisses me for that first time. Well, that's certainly the other end of the spectrum, but that's also uh, risky. So I think there's a very fine line. You've got to find your own expression. What was natural for me prior to really getting that experience of may I was to hold back. So I am, you know, very, you know, I, I would say a ca- conscious, cautious 
about how I express my desire. So I was in that realm of holding back rather than uh, just barging right in and taking what I want. So I, like like I said, there's a fine line. But are you barging in and taking what you want from just a subtle touch? I mean, I can understand if you're, you know, you want to grope a girl from behind and rub yourself into her, which happened to me. Uh, I wanted to smack them. There's a difference between that and just your flirting, friendly, fun, flirty. Well, I guess it, it points back to learning to read social cues and, and nonverbal cues. I think uh, part of what I'm w- wondering about in this dialogue here that we're having is, wow, I actually know how to navigate that space verbally. But when it comes to touch, maybe that's uh, I feel less confident as a person and uh, would err on the side of not rushing in, whereas some some partners would be more aggressive. And I think that's the whole thing we're we're really wrestling with as a culture now in terms of consent is, you know, where where do I express my desire with passion and just come in and take my, you know, from my desire and grab my partner and kiss them or hug them or whatever it is. And where do I wait and hold back and ask, may I? I think it's a very fine line and it's a challenge. I think there's ways to make both of them exciting and sexy and there are ways to actually have them be inappropriate. Like if I'm holding back way too long, I'm going to miss my opportunity and my partner is going to be less excited about my, my expression of desire. But if I also am too aggressive, that could also, you know, be a violation of their own boundaries. Just like asking their sexual preferences on the first date. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you, Steve, so much for joining us. Where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to learn more about what you do? I am open for emails. Uh, people can email me directly at Steve at theremedyonline.com. I uh, love hearing from people. And uh, I'm on Instagram at Steve underscore Oscar. He knows his stuff. Like, I love having you on my stages, Steve. I really do. Like, you are a, a pro. And thank, thank you so you. much for being here today. Joan, where can thank people get a hold of you? On Instagram at Joan Kelly Walker Official or my website, joankellywalker.com. And myself, I'm official Laura Bellotta on Instagram, Laura Bellotta on Clubhouse. And please check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Until next week, ciao for now. <laughs>